0: Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertility AF, the podcast. This is episode 176 called Monica.
1: Hello everybody. This is Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally. And we are here to tell you a little bit about who we are, what we do and how we can support you on your infertility journey. So we wanted to let you know
0: that Fertility Rally is the membership group that we created. It's the place we wish we had when we were in the thick of it. We offer support groups. We have private Facebook groups. We have tons of events, lots of videos, blog posts, so much content. We're starting to do IRL events as well. And we want to be there for you no matter where you are on your journey.
1: Yeah, our favorite part, we had no idea where this would go when we started it. And our favorite part about it is watching all of our members, which is like 300 plus at this point connect, and create true lifelong friendships. We have members that are meeting up in real life. We have members that are supporting each other on Instagram. We have members that call each other best friends now. And honestly, like that is the most rewarding thing to see. We had no idea it would go here. And so we're just, we're inviting you to join the Rally fam.
0: Yeah, it's such a great space. It's a safe space. We also have fun when we can. So we would love for you to be a part of it. Check us out. On fertilityrally.com and on Instagram at fertilityrally. Hope to see you guys soon. Today's episode is presented by Belly. Belly offers modern prenatal vitamins optimized for fertility, prenatal, and post-pregnancy health. To learn more about how to optimize your fertility and pregnancy health, check out their vegan-friendly, dairy-free, non-GMO vitamins for both men and women at bellybaby.com. That's spelled B-E-L-I- baby.com. The best part, if you use code ALI15, you'll get 15% off your first month of either Belly Women or Belly Men. Again, that's code Ally15ALI15 for 15% off. Thanks, Belly. Alright, guys. So today I am talking to somebody who's become a very good friend of mine over the last year and a half or two years now. She's a fertility rally member. Her name is Monica. You guys might follow her. On Instagram at waiting for baby wonder with a U. She has just been through a shit ton and she is a super bright light in our community. She comes to most of our support groups and cheers everybody on and shares what's going on with her. So she is still in the midst of her journey. She's going to tell us all about that. A couple interesting things that I haven't talked about on the show before. She's going to tell us about her uterus didalphus uterus didelphus and what that is and her pelvic kidney and how those things, you know, complicate pregnancy and complicate the infertility struggle. So she's going to talk about all that and so much more, but I'm going to let her tell it in her own words. So thanks, Monica. I love you, girl. Without further ado, this is Monica's infertility story. <laughs> my gosh, Monica. Hi, sweet
1: girl.
2: How are you?
0: I'm so excited to talk to you. We've been each other for a while through Instagram and through Fertility Rally. You've been through so much and just to put it out there right away, you're still in the middle of your journey and your story. So let's just start at the beginning. I know you have this diagnosis of uterus diadelphus. Did I say that right?
1: Yes, you did.
0: And ectopic kidney, is that the other, what the other one is called?
1: That's also correct. Or like pelvic kidney. I mean, ectopic pelvic kidney. kidney. I think, okay, me. Yeah, let's start there.
0: One. When did you find out that you had that? And what is that exactly?
1: So I found out about this in my early twenties at like a routine OBGYN pap appointment. I had just switched doctors because my insurance changed after I graduated college and went in just for my routine pap and I'm like on the table in the stirrups and she's like down in my biz and in your biz in my biz as they do and she's just like has anyone ever told you you have two cervixes and I was like come again Mm -hmm. um (laughs) what and she's like yeah you have two cervixes and I was like how have I been going two appointments right this whole time and nobody everybody has failed to mention that or didn't realize and she knew in like two seconds. Mm-hmm. So immediately like there on the table, she was like, Well, if you have two cervixes, there could be other things kind of like going on inside. And so she kind of like immediately was like, let's go into the ultrasound room. And wow. She did an ultrasound, which was kind of amazing. Now that I've been through so many appointments and like been through so much, I realized how rare
2: That
1: is, -hmm. but she was probably kind of excited because I guess this is not that normal. Right. Um, I'm sure. Right. So we immediately went into the ultrasound room and she got me on the ultrasound. We did a pelvic ultrasound and she immediately saw what she thought to be two uteruses, which I didn't even know was a thing. Mm -hmm. And I think most people don't know. So uterus didelphus is like a doubling of your uterus, it can also be a doubling of your cervix and also of your like vaginal canal with like a, like a vaginal septum, which I have all of those. Okay. Um, So so do you know the statistics on that?
0: Like what's the chance that someone will have that?
1: Well, A, I think it's not, you know, not everybody knows that they have it. Some people, I didn't know, right. Right. If I hadn't had that, right. I wouldn't have known if I didn't have two cervixes, I might not have known, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's about one in a thousand. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not like so, 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 so rare, right. But I think I have it on the rarer side where I have all three, gotcha. right? So some people don't have all three. Right, okay. Um, so I have that and it's just like a congenital mm-hmm. in the womb kind of deal. Basically, I guess when your uterus is formed, it actually kind of starts as two halves and then like the middle part is supposed to go away and it forms like one hole, and that didn't happen okay. in my development. Going along with that, can also be renal. So kidney abnormalities. Mm -hmm. And she, again, just, I guess this was a really good doctor because Mm -hmm. so many doctors since were like, no idea what to do with me. And she immediately was like, okay, you have this two uterus thing. Uh, We should look at your kidneys. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so again, right there on the table, she started looking for my kidneys, found the left one, and then went to go to the right. And there was just an empty space. And again, immediately knew Oh, well, sometimes with uterus, dialysis, they can be in your pelvis. And so she went down and lo and behold, right, right next to my ovary with my kidney. And wow. I had never beyond the fact that tampons never used to work for me. Okay. Like I never would have known. I mean, it made so much sense when she told me because mm-hmm. I just thought I had like the world's heaviest low,
2: gotcha. like,
1: like all of my teenage years and what yes. teenager is going to be like, Hey, Hi, uh tampons don't work for me or right like talk about that sort of stuff.
2: Um,
0: Yes. Did it have and I know you have endo as well. Did it have anything to do with endometriosis too? Is it all kind of tied together?
1: It I mean, I think it is. Yeah. From what I've heard, people with uterus diadelphus have a higher percentage chance of having endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And for sure, in my case, you know, everything is kind of squashed into this lower right-hand corner because both of my uteruses are kind of tilted to the right. And then I've got my Mm -hmm. ovary. And then I've got my kidney, So like everybody, everybody's all crammed in together. And so, you know, if there's lesions, there's a lot for it to attach onto and connect to right there. So, okay. So does this cause pain for you? It's a hot mess. It's a hot mess. Um, yes, I, you know, growing up was the kid who was missing school, doubled over in pain, laying all day in the bath, throwing up yeah, like, diarrhea, the whole, the whole thing, yeah. just really, really ill. And, you know, everyone was just like, eh, it's just being a woman, right? Like, you like, it's just a bad period. Like it took 22 years for me to be. Wow. Diagnosed
0: well, with, thank with God pneumonia. that this amazing doctor figured it out. And I think I even know. by talking about this now, you know, you're going to be helping people that might, or, you know, know somebody that's yeah. a similar thing and have it checked I, out. I hope. So.
1: Yeah, um, I hope so. I yeah. mean, I've I've met lots of women now, okay, who who have this, um, yeah. and and everybody's situation is a little bit different, but right, you know, I used to think before infertility, when I didn't, because that was the one part that was missing, is along this road, nobody ever mentioned to me that any of this would bring complications for pregnancy. Interesting. Um, so I really didn't know that until mm-hmm. we started trying, and then I really didn't know how bad it was until we got to IVF. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I used to think it was funny when I first found out, I was like, double the pleasure, right? Like, right. 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 I got two vaginas. Like, right. I thought it was hilarious. What I about felt- sex? Did it have
0: an effect on like painfulness or anything like that? And again, you don't well, have to say anything. You don't no, want to say, care. of course, I yeah. Don't
1: care. I, yeah, yes. And no. So one side is more dominant than the other. So like sex is fine. Except for like, as my endometriosis has progressed, it's become more painful. Mm -hmm. So it didn't used to be, but I also don't know, like, I have nothing to compare it to except my own body. Like, do I think it's the most pleasurable thing ever? Like, no, I've never felt that way, but it wasn't painful. So, you know, there is a surgery I can have to at least get rid of the vaginal septum. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is probably something that I will do when I finally can have a laparoscopy. I'll do that like all at once. And mm-hmm. that should hopefully also help and also make my periods much more bearable because
0: there's only one hole. Okay. So. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so you did a great post recently. We'll talk about this as we get into your story more. But, up, sure. you know, and you were holding up the letter board that says, Infertility stole my sex drive. And that resonated yeah. so deeply with me and so many other people. The fact of when you're trying to have sex on demand or sex is, not working and the pleasure is taken out of it. Like it's, it's not talked about enough. So I'm really glad that you did that post and I'm excited to talk about that more in a few minutes, but let's fast forward a bit. Tell me how you met your husband. So
1: my husband is Australian Mm -hmm. um, and I love this. I know this story and I love this. (laughs) I love this story. It's so good. Um, so My husband and I both used to be travel agents back in the day where you used a travel agent.
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And we worked for a big multinational company. And so I worked in California and he worked in Melbourne, Australia. And we got picked to be part of, I mean, this is common in the travel industry world, Mm -hmm. to go on trips to experience products that you would sell to customers. So we got picked to go on a Contiki holidays trip, like bus Mm -hmm. tour across Europe with like 30 other uh, travel agents.
0: from So fun. And you're like in your twenties and like single and all
1: that, like, hell Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, kind of single. Okay. That's another story. Okay. (laughs) But we were very good. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so we met and I actually like really disliked him the first time we really got, we got into an argument the first time. I didn't know this part of the story.
0: Why? No.
1: Um, it was like some political conversation. There had been like an incident at my university And he had read about it, I guess, in Australia. Mm. And I had a very different perspective on it because I had been there and I didn't like the way the media was portraying it. And Mm. so we like got into this discussion. turns out I'm right, of course. Right. Always. Um, (laughs) He would agree. But yeah. So at first it was like not you know, but we obviously had banter back and forth with which I did enjoy, but very quickly. I mean, the trip was only a week and we became very inseparable very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had so much fun with him and I just like loved the way his brain worked. And by the end of it, you know, it was like the whole, like crying on the way to the airport. Like, what am I going to do now? Like we're leaving to other ends of the, of the earth. Right. Um, and it was only a week. And we didn't, like I said, we were kind of single. We -hmm. didn't do anything because we were like trying to be good people. And Mm -hmm. we thought like, if, if this does ever amount to something, I don't want to start that way. So we left and I just really didn't know. And when I got home, you know, we kind of stayed in touch and through Skype.
2: Oh my God. (laughs) Yes.
1: Within within two weeks, we were both very single and (laughs) tell me there was some dirty Skyping, please. Of course, there was dirty okay, typing. Good. What are you supposed to do? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, within like two weeks, he bought me a one-way ticket to Australia, and I put in for a transfer from my job, um, which was approved. And in like within three months of us meeting each other, I moved to Australia and moved in with him. Uh, so hot, I love it. We had mm-hmm. never kissed before. <laughs> Oh my God. And we moved in um, with him and his roommates. (laughs) Yes. The rest is history. Right. Yeah. Okay. I love that story. Me too. It was really great because we had like this, besides the dirty texting, this foundation of like communication for a few months before it got physical. So like, not that that's how it would have gone otherwise, but I think it made for a strong foundation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And something that's gotten you guys through all the shit that you Uh, would go on to do. So tell me about family building. Did you guys talk about having kids or did you, you know, did that come up in conversation?
1: Yeah. I mean, my, I have, I'm the first to say, I have like no career ambition whatsoever. Um, (laughs) I I mean, like, I'll just be honest. Like, I think that's like taboo to say nowadays for women. I don't, you know, it's gone the other direction. So I sometimes feel very uncomfortable saying that, but like, no, I love that you say that my whole life. I've just wanted to be a stay at home mom. That's like, that's it. That's it for me. I am just drawn to children. I have always, I just want to be a mom. Like that's, that's all I wanted. And everyone in my family knows all of my friends were like, you're going to be the first to have babies. Like Mm -hmm. you're going to be, you're going to have so many. Of course now I'm the only one without. And so that was always from the very beginning, what, what our situation was. And Mm -hmm. I actually left, like we bought our house. I left my job and like, that's you know, the decision we made because it was really important to us that one of us stayed home with our kids. I think, cause we both had that growing up and I'm obviously coming from a place of immense privilege by being able to do that. So mm-hmm. I acknowledge that, but that was our goal. So we worked towards that goal. Right. Um, and of course now I'm living in this house where like two of the spare bedrooms have been converted into offices and we have no baby. And it's like, why and we live in the suburbs? Yeah. We lived here for five years and it's like, why, why Right are we here?
0: Right. So let's talk about when you guys started to try, was there like a moment where you're like, let's do this? Or did you just kind of start to not use protection yeah. or like, well, how did it go down?
1: Yeah. Well, so I was on birth control for, you know, 800 years, like so many of us we, we got married in 2015. we had this goal that we wanted to hike the Camino de Santiago across Spain and Amazing! that was in, yeah, it was the best thing ever. And so we just said that was in 2017. And so the, the deal was like, after that's done, I'm going to stop birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was at the end of, of 2017. So the beginning of 2018 around then is when I went off birth control mm-hmm. and for like a year it was going to be the whole, we'll like, we'll just have fun with it. And when it ha- we're not in a rush, but we would, you know, if it happens, we would, we would like that. Right. So we'll just like, let my body come off the birth control, which is a whole other story. It was a disaster. Mm. Um, was it because and, of and the endo and everything else you had going on? I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't want to like create like conspiracy theories, because I know that a lot of like medical professionals would not agree with what I have to say on it. But I went into like, from like within a week of me being off birth control, I went into like a severe depression, started having panic attacks, which I had never had before. I was like mm-hmm. shaky. I I mean, I mean, maybe me the worst time in my whole life for about six weeks. Mm-hmm. And every doctor was like, here's, let me give you Prozac. Like, you're basically telling me it was crazy and that that's mm-hmm. not what birth control does. And like, we don't have to go into that, but that mm-hmm. was my experience. Yeah. Well, this um, is your
0: truth. So there's no, yeah. you know, you got to say what happened to you. This is your experience. And obviously this is not a medical show and you know, everybody no. should, everybody's different and should check with their doctor, but that happened to you.
1: That's what happened to me. And it was, I mean, really scary for my husband. Mm-hmm. I like could not get out of bed and oh. I I, I mean, it was frightening for me. It was frightening for my family. I was just not myself. And then it went away. And so, I mean, I don't know, but yeah. So we came off the birth control, wanted to give my body some time to adjust and, and nothing obviously ever happened.
0: Okay. Um, So when did you know you wanted to see like an RE or a specialist?
1: So that wasn't actually until like 2020. So we actually started in 2019. We went to an MFM because maternal fetal medicine doctor, anyone that does high risk OB Mm -hmm. because of my uterus, I I wanted to get some like more information and she, you know, highly regarded just was like, oh, well, you know, with your anatomy, like it's probably just going to take longer. So Mm. this whole like wait six months, let's do a year for you and do like more timed intercourse, like track your ovulation, like do it properly. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, I just like listened to the medical professional as one does. Like advocacy for myself would not come until later.
0: Right. Um, Were you feeling that
1: clock ticking though, and like how old were you at this point? Of course. I mean, at this point, so twenty. You know, I was Mm thirty-one at this point. They're almost thirty-two, I guess. Yeah, thirty-one. And I had wanted to, you know, you put stupid arbitrary numbers in your brain, but I had wanted to have like be pregnant with our first or have our first at 30. Like that just seemed like a good number. Yeah. Totally doesn't matter. But uh, no, I know. That's but that's your life me. goal. And that's okay yeah. to have those goals, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So 30 is what felt good. And that came and went. And so, My anatomy is such that like, I still have just the two ovaries and two fallopian tubes. It's just that one goes to each uterus. So when I ovulate every other month, it's a different uterus that can get pregnant and you never know, like, I don't know which one. And I can only Mm -hmm. use the one through intercourse through Mm -hmm. sex. So like, I have half the number naturally. I already have half the opportunities that one would have per gotcha. year because we can only access the one side. So it's kind of like living with one ovary and one tube.
0: Okay. So um, knowing what you know now, Monica, do you yeah. wish that they would have given you that, that first, you know, MFM you saw would have given you like a different treatment plan or a hundred
1: percent. Okay. I mean, what do you wish my life would have would happened? Be totally different. I mean, first of all, she had no business okaying me to get pregnant in the first place, now knowing what I know, because it would be detrimental to my health. So I cannot carry. cannot carry. At all, I cannot carry. I mean, I could, but I'd be putting my life in jeopardy and our baby's life in jeopardy. At all, I cannot carry a child because my pelvic kidney. Um, Is in, in a location that putting weight on it would cause me to at best need a stent, but at worst kill me or live a life where I am in kidney failure and would have to be on dialysis for the rest of my life. Okay. So okay. she should never have cleared me to be trying naturally in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you know, she never should have been like, "Well, you've been casually trying for a year. Try for another year at my right. age." Like, yeah that's ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um, Is there part of you though, that is grateful that you didn't get pregnant because it could have been detrimental uh, or.
1: Absolutely. Of course. I mean, it's very, it's complicated, right? it's so complicated. I'm happy that it didn't happen, but also I wish I would have had the knowledge earlier now, knowing what I know about the fact that my eggs suck, that I could have saved years. I could have saved like two years of knowing that I needed to, I, Oh, IVF was always our option. Mm-hmm. That was our only option.
2: Always. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So I could have known that like two years earlier. Right. It's so frustrating. Someone had and cared. It,
0: yeah. And it is so complicated. And I don't mean to be like, what would you have done and living in the past? Cause it's like, here we are no. now, right. There's nothing, but I'm just, I was just curious, like what well, I mean, an alternative route could have been, you know, also to help. Yeah. People well, I, mean, I think it's
1: just honest to be like, who lives in the present all the time nobody does like right. we try but like of course. You, of course you think about the past and right. it's annoying too because because of my anatomy and my kidney I'd had so many pelvic ultrasounds done right but more than normal people would have had
2: mm-hmm. and it,
1: and I remember specifically like my OB being like great you have follicles like you've got six follicles great moving on I was like oh I got follicles
2: mm-hmm. okay
1: good. Like things are working down there. Like I didn't know six was bad and he didn't tell me six was bad. Gotcha. Like, yeah, there, there's also, I guess, an opportunity there for like, where's that, like the connection between like, you're an OBGYN, but like the fertility aspect, right? Right. Like yeah. he could see on the ultrasound if he knew to think of it, that like there was a problem.
0: Right. Such a good point. Okay. So what happened next and what did you guys do?
1: So I did, I tried for a year, we tried for a year and nothing happened. So that Mm -hmm. was 2019. And this brings us to 2020, I think around May of 20, May or June of 2020. And I went back to the MFM and I was like, listen, this is, this is not working. Mm -hmm. I need somebody to take more of an interest. And I kind of, at that point, so my dad and his wife went through IVF, Mm -hmm. um, and I like through them kind of like learned a little bit and I knew I needed to ask for a fertility panel. So I okay. kind of bullied my OBGYN into ordering, you know, I definitely got the whole,
2: oh, you're young,
1: you right. time. Like, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah. yeah, exactly.
0: Just go on vacation. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I mean, yeah, I've yeah. Heard, I mean, you've heard it, I've all. heard it all I've exactly. heard it all. Yeah.
0: hundred percent.
1: You'll get pregnant.
0: Right, yeah. right, right, right. What was it like going through it when your dad and, and his wife were.
1: It was in, in really the, hard. Did
0: you and her talk about it at all?
1: No. So I didn't know like what I suspected what was going on, but they never told us like they were, our relationship is very different now than it was then surrounding mm-hmm. this. I had, I mean, I would like open the fridge at their house and like see stuff in the fridge and be like, I don't know what that is. Uh turns out it was like Menopure, right? and I had no idea and they did not tell us. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I didn't know they had several losses. I didn't know she has endo. I didn't know like she she'd surgeries. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything until she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and it stuck. And that's just the way that they chose to deal with it. I think that probably now they would have chosen to do it differently because it caused a lot of pain for me. Mm -hmm. Um, a, you know, it's hard to contend with like your dad having another baby at the age where you're supposed to be having a baby and you're trying to have a child. Yeah. At the same time, you know, in looking back, I'm so grateful to them because I would not probably, you know, be with my doctor now to Dr. Amy, who's my doctor. Did they go to Dr. Amy too? Get yes. out. Okay. So awesome. My baby sister is a product of the egg whisperer. Yes. Um, which shout
0: out to Dr. Amy. We talk about her always shout incessantly. Out. She knows
1: I'm her biggest fan. Yes. You guys um, are best everyone friends. Everyone will say that.
0: <laughs> and we've got a lot of members who go to Dr. Amy and we've done a lot of stuff with her at Fertility Rally too. She's great.
1: She's awesome. But yeah, I would not have known about her. I was actually at a different clinic when we started and I just, so back up for a sec. I did the fertility Mm -hmm. panel. The fertility panel came back all sorts of fucked up. My FSH, I think at the time was like 27 or 29, like postmenopausal. And my AMH was like 0.54, something like that. 0.54, I think it was. Okay. And so obviously immediate red flags. And I like freaked out because you get these numbers over some portal with nobody calling to tell you anything. Right. And all I see is like it's flagged red, and like I start googling Doctor Google, sure. and they're yeah, like, yeah. "Are you, you this number is like if you're in menopause?" And I'm 32. I think yeah, 32.
0: So there was nobody there so, to explain this to you. No, was, no. Were they just thinking like, we're just going to send her the results and like, I just bye, think that nobody luck.
1: thinks like yeah. they eventually I got into contact with them, but I think I called to, mm-hmm. like schedule a consult with my OB to be like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, Once again, advocating I, for
0: yourself. Right.
1: Right. I mean, I've had so many weird illnesses over the years. You'd think I would have been a pro at that point, but I really wasn't. But yeah. So I, contacted them and he referred me he gave me kind of a list of a few doctors and i did some research myself of like who i should see and i uh, ended up at a different clinic um and it was fine i actually started the process and even signed paperwork to start mm-hmm. IVF with them but at the very first appointment you know the doctor said to me he's like i will make you a mother i can guarantee you will be a parent but i can't guarantee they will be biologically related to you okay so you know that how did a that lot. make you feel to hear that well devastated i mean now it's different now knowing what i know but i think in your very first appointment to be hit with that in 5 minutes of someone meeting you it's a lot to take in like i was already extremely overwhelmed um, I don't, I wasn't ready to receive that news. And I, and I think now looking back on it, it was a little bit premature to just say that to somebody like, how about have a little, like either don't help me or help me. And if you think you can help me, then like, let's not go there at the first appointment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, like, mm-hmm. why are we talking about that at the first appointment? If you think you can help me, what it, what it told me now, looking back is he wasn't confident that he could help me.
0: Well, I also feel like it's dangerous as a doctor to say I guarantee anything. Mm-hmm. I mean I that's know, just right? false expectations and that's it not totally how it is. is. I mean we all totally. know IVF is not a guarantee. Surrogacy, which we'll get into, is not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. Adoption yeah, I mean, is not a guarantee. Nothing none of this is, is
2: guaranteed. None of this is nothing
1: guaranteed. Nothing is it doesn't yeah and and I I stepped into IVF totally thinking like, well, this is the answer. And I've stepped into multiple stages of this journey thinking, well, this is the answer. And I've I've stepped, I've said this so many (laughs) times,
0: I'll probably cut this, but, um, in case anybody's new, I thought IVF was for people that wanted multiples. Like I was like, oh, i like, I thought it was, I thought it was like an optional like thing. If you wanted more than one kid, like
1: old rich ladies, like wanted to have their careers first. Right. And like freeze their eggs and then like have children when it's convenient.
2: Right. That's what
1: I thought it was too. Yeah. Like, I just didn't realize, I don't, you know, we don't learn about fertility at all at any point in our lives other than in once you're already faced with it. So, I mean, I just was like, people have eggs, they do their thing you get pregnant and your biggest fear in life should be getting pregnant when you don't want to be pregnant. Like, well, that's what's drilled into our
0: heads is if you don't use protection, you're going to get pregnant. That's all you learn as a young Turns out
1: 12 years of birth control was completely pointless for me. It was never probably going to happen. So, so I started there and, and I kind of started open at this point, my Dad's wife had just had their baby. She had a COVID baby. So this in April, so this was like a month later. And mm-hmm. at this point, I knew kind of more of what they've been going through. So I was really leaning on them for like emotional support. And I told my stepmom—I like say my dad's wife usually because she's like nine years older than me—but mm-hmm. <laughs> my stepmom. I told her that you know about my appointment. She was just like, "Listen, you know." uh, if you don't like this, there are other options. Like you don't have to just, cause this was like, we went from like blood, blood work to consult to we're signing documents, probably in the span of two weeks. Once I knew, I mean, that's kind of who I am. I was like, let's go. Like, let's go. We're yeah. going like, we're right. doing this. And, and she was like, please let me write an email to my doctor. And she's like, they call her the egg whisperer. And I was yeah. like, what do you mean they call her who, who calls her the egg whisperer? How ridiculous. Right. Now I, now I don't feel that way at all. Right. Um, and now I, I understand now, but, um, I was like, I mean, okay. She's like, as long as you don't think it would be weird that we'd have the same doctor. I was like, listen, if, if it's better, it's better. So she, uh, wrote this email to Dr. Amy and CC would me on it and kind of just laid out what we'd been through. Dr. Amy just wrote back like the most amazing email in five seconds, as she always does. And Mm -hmm. She just said, you know, I'm happy to do whatever it is that you need me to do. If you want to become my patient, that's great. If you want me to just consult with you on the side, that's great too. If you want me to just, I'll be your biggest cheerleader. Like I don't, there's no ego
0: involved, right? Right. right? She truly just wants to help people. Yeah.
1: Truly just wants to help people. And she... Didn't need to be my doctor to offer that kind of support. And the fact that she like responded so quickly, we had this family connection and that kind of warmth. I was just like, this is my person.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I pivoted, made a, made a consult appointment with her, I think like within like five days, like we mm-hmm. so fast. And we did a zoom appointment and she's like, come in on day two. I came in on day two and mm-hmm. we started stems like that. Okay. Um, so what was her
0: take on what was going on with your uterus, your uteri yeah. and your, um, you know, everything else that was happening.
1: So initially that wasn't something that she focused on. Okay. Right. I have issues to get to my uterus being an issue. We have to have embryos, right? Okay. So first things first, her protocol always is Embryo creation, embryo creation, embryo creation, embryo Mm creation—like bank embryos.
2: Mm -hmm. So
1: we already knew that was going to be an issue for me because I have few follicles and my hormones are showing that I my egg quality is probably compromised as well. Mm -hmm. But at Um, this
0: point, sorry to interrupt, Monica, but did you you mm -hmm. know that you were going to work with a gestational carrier because you couldn't carry? Or no? Okay.
1: No, I did not know this until after we created our embryos.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: So we yeah. So we, that wasn't discussed, like how the babies are coming into the world, like not discussed, right. Like it's like one step foremost, at a time. Okay. One step at a time. Cause what's Got the it. point of talking about gestational surrogacy? If, if you don't have any embryos, right. right. Yeah. So first and foremost was the creation of embryos. Okay. And, you know, she obviously was interested in my uterus. You know, it turns out the uterus I is less of an interest. In this whole story, which I find interesting. (laughs) I find interesting. Yeah. Um, it's the kidney that continues to be the kicker. Gotcha. Um, so fucking kidney. Fucking kidney. And Mm -hmm. of course, like I wanted it removed, but evidently that's not an option either. Mm. So we started with IVF like very quickly. I can give you all the stats, but essentially we retrieved six eggs, four fertilized. And they all arrested, like Mm -hmm. nothing past fertilization. Okay. And that was, I guess, like my, my really like my first, oh, moment, like this is not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. This is going to be much more challenging than I thought, much more expensive than I thought. It was definitely a reality check. I mean, I, this was before I made my Instagram account. And so I was really, really lonely. I really didn't mm-hmm. have anyone to turn to except for my stepmom, And mm-hmm. now I'm feeling like, well, fuck you, lady. Like you're 10 years older than me. And you did one round of IVF and made all of your embryos. Right. Like, what the fuck? I right. can't make any. And, uh, you know, I still, I mean, I leaned on them for so much, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would But say what so
0: about that. you and your husband? Like what was going on with you guys and your relationship? Because <clears throat> obviously this takes such yeah. a huge toll.
1: It really does. I mean, I hate to say this, but like, I get grateful for COVID. Like, I of course don't because it's caused, you know, terrible things to happen across the world. But in my life, my husband traveled for work like every week before Mm -hmm. COVID and I was alone a lot and COVID caused us to be together all the time. Mm -hmm. And I am so grateful for that because we were really able to be together during this process and mm-hmm. he's just incredibly supportive not judgmental at all like no room for blame or guilt or mm-hmm. anything and you know i think his the biggest hardship really is that he just like worries about me so much yeah so you know i yeah he's just incredibly worried about my mental health my physical yeah. health all the time and i think it really weighs on him i feel like he doesn't leave as much room as I would like to feel for himself. Mm. Cause I know it's there, but it's like primarily goes to me because I'm the one that's like enduring all the medical stuff and I'm the one with the health issues and I'm, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's really hard in a marriage, but actually like, Hey, I know this isn't the same, you know, everybody's different, but I think we're closer Mm -hmm. as a result of it. I think Mm -hmm. that's made our marriage like more intimate in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. like seeing each other at our worst going through real hardship. Right. Um, that makes like sense. It's a test of your mm-hmm. marriage. And mm-hmm. like, I I think we're stronger for it in yeah. the long run. Yeah. Not that it, I would still, I would trade it in a heart. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But right, but yeah, I think we're, we're stronger because yeah,
0: that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So then after that first round with Dr. Amy, what, what did you guys do? Did you decide to pivot like the change the protocol
1: or like, yeah. So, I mean, Dr. Amy, if it doesn't work, she's going to pivot, which I love, right? Like I've heard so many people now a days or not nowadays, but like now that I've met so many people whose doctors just like stick to what they know. And like, that's just what it is. Like, if yeah. you don't like my protocol, then you're not working with me, which is be exactly. because our bodies are so different. Makes no um, fucking sense. Makes no fucking sense. And it's yeah. really like offensive to me. Well, it's, but it's also kind of lazy, super lazy. Like and this, this science is developing. still. like, we're not like at a point where like, we have the answer. So like, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like it's changing all of the time. Like our standards for testing embryos are changing. Like, you know, uh, our knowledge of disease, like all of it is changing all of the time. So like, why wouldn't you want to, as if this is your profession and your life and you're helping families grow, like, why wouldn't you want to be like at the top, you know, like mm-hmm. learning and, and, Figuring out new ways and collaborating with other professionals and doctors. Like, it makes no sense to me.
0: Right. But I agree. But
1: Dr. Amy does. She loves new research and learning about everything. And so, our way of looking at it was like, uh, we're going to do it again. Uh, we're going to change the protocol. And also, I, you know, I like gobbled up. It starts with the egg, like so many of us have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, was like, I'm going to do everything that's in this. I'm going to do all of it. I'm going to take every single pill. I'm going to go to acupuncture twice a week. I'm going to get rid of any toxins in my house. I'm going to get rid of any plastics in my house. I'm going to meditate and be mindful and like just like commit my life to this. And I am very fortunate in the sense that I, I don't work. So like I could do that. So that's what we did for, I think... So my retrieval was in August of 2020 and my next retrieval wasn't until November of 2020. And in that time, I just was very, very regimented. And we also primed with Omnitrope, with human growth hormone twice a week during that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think I would have gone. I think we would have had our retrieval in October, but I had a cyst at one point. So I don't think that maybe I needed quite as much time in between, but that's what ended up happening. And we had fewer follicles. Actually, we only had five follicles and retrieved five eggs, but all five of them made it to blast, which Mm -hmm. was like night and day. And three of them were normal. So those were, those were our embryos, which was wild. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, then you get that false sense of, okay, like we're off to the races. Like right now we have our embryos. That was our hurdle. Like we're going to do this. I know that like uterus didelthus is a high-risk pregnancy situation, but like, I've seen other women do it. We're going to do it. Uh I just was like, cool transfers next. And then Dr. Amy was like, I think we need to talk about your kidney. Right. Okay. And that was the first time that gestational surrogacy was
2: broached. Okay.
1: And that was like a whole other pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was not accepting of it at first at all. Um, I was like, no, 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 no. Like we're going to go see other specialists before we just decide that I can't carry my baby. Mm -hmm. Um, So specifically what (laughs) were right. What,
0: tell me, tell me again, what were the risks if you did carry? It was because your kidney- can you explain yes. it again?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so according to Dr. Amy, and then confirmed by a urologist, my kidney is in a location. So it's low in my, it's in my pelvis, like where my right ovary is as the weight of a pregnancy would grow. The weight would press down on that kidney and my ureter, my bladder, and could cause like serious kidney problems essentially. So you know, a stent, which is not, I guess the most uncommon thing Mm -hmm. could have to be put in. But basically the urologist was like, I, if you were in extreme pain, I would not be able to relieve the pain
2: for you. Mm
1: -hmm. And then worst case scenario, it causes me to go into, or like not even worst case scenario, but I could go into kidney failure Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and require dialysis for the rest of my life, which is obviously not something I would like to do. Right. And like worst case scenario, like I could die, baby could die. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and we are already talking about a high risk situation with my uteruses because, because there's two, they're smaller. And oftentimes with uterus didelphus, the the risks there are like preterm labor, late term miscarriage, stillbirth, Mm -hmm. And then always the C-section because how are you dilating two right. services? Right, Um yeah. that so, makes perfect sense. So, you know, it just was ultimately too high of a risk it was to, to even consider. And at first it was really hard for me to, to like know that we were never gonna be the couple that had, the experience of being pregnant together like my husband always used to talk I can't wait for me to be able to put my head on your belly like I can't wait for these moments together and totally and so those are lost to us
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: it's still I mean I'm much more at peace with it now but that you know that was a huge loss like now we can't get pregnant naturally now we can't even have pregnancy at all yeah.
0: Um, but
1: that's definitely once, a loss,
0: you know, the loss of, of how loss. you thought your life was going to go. That's a huge loss.
1: Right. And we had already lost so much. And now we're just adding this to the list of losses. Like mm-hmm. we already knew we were going to, we couldn't make embryos. couldn't get pregnant naturally. We knew that if I was, I was, I already knew that I was going to lose a vaginal birth, which was really hard for me as well. Mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, going into it, knowing I'm going to be cut open at the end of this, and I'm not going to be able to go through the natural like birthing process, which was something I always envisioned. Like I was, I'm like a proponent of natural birth. Like I wanted to do that. Like I wanted to like go through that and be like, I am woman. Like, and now it's, you know, not important. It you know, just a happy, healthy baby is all I care about, but totally, it's still a loss and and. Though at the same time, once it was decided, it was like okay, like that's just how I am. I was like okay, like that's what we're doing, and it was easier to make that decision knowing it was the only decision. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a question. It was you know, I I, surrogacy women go into surrogacy for for many reasons, but I have encountered you know individuals where it was a choice in the sense that we don't really know why your embryos aren't implanting, but you've had, you know, multiple implantation failures or mm-hmm. multiple miscarriages. Mm-hmm. And so that's the choice that we're making. We don't know why it's not working, but we're going to pivot because that's what's been happening. Right. It was easier to accept because it really wasn't a choice anymore. It yeah. was like, this is, this is what it is. Like, this is yeah. our option. So right. if we want to bring these embryos into the world, like this is how they're going to have to come to Right. Be.
0: Exactly. Okay. So what happened next?
1: Dr. Amy is so fast. She's so amazing. Um, I was not left for even a moment to figure out what to do next. She was like, let me put you in touch with these agencies that I like working with. You can interview all of them, see which, how you feel. Here's a list of questions that I would recommend that you ask.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. And she like made the introductions. I didn't have to do any cold calling or anything like that. She gave them our story. They had that already. So the process was really fast. Um, I think like right around my birthday in December of 2020 is when we started reaching out, reaching out to agencies. And literally by Christmas, we were Matched with the
2: surrogate. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was really, really fast, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's the case for a lot of women. I mean, it depends on the route that you're going. Whether you're going to go via an agency or independently. So, like with a family member or a friend, or uh, nowadays with someone you meet on the internet. Which they are just two different paths, two different mm-hmm. processes. We opted to do the agency partially, you know, it was like a whole new language to learn. I didn't know anything about surrogacy and didn't know any of the lingo. I was really following like Dr. Amy's lead. So yeah, so I just uh, let her kind of take the lead there and surrogacy through an agency made a lot of sense because if I'm not an expert, like I don't want to, I don't need to be like taking that on. Now I feel like I could write a book on surrogacy and totally like have my own agency if I needed to. Exactly. Um, but uh, so we went through an agency And in Idaho, um, that was another thing that was really hard for me to deal with was the idea that our surrogate would be out of state. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: There's a lot of different reasons for that, but for us, it's mainly financial, like California, it's just a surrogates are in such high demand here. It's really hard to get matched. The timeline Mm -hmm. is longer and I'm not a patient person.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and the finances are just out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, partially because it's, I mean, there's a lot of demand here because California is a very surrogate friendly state in terms of the the legalities. So Idaho is as well, but in a different way. So Uh we opted to go with the agency in Idaho. We were matched very quickly. So the next step, basically you have conversations with the agency and then they tell you what surrogates they have available normally, I guess I would say, with well, these ones are the ones I'm interested in. Dr. you was like, these are the ones we're interested in. Uh-huh. These are the ones to talk to. And then you have a conversation, you decide if you want to move ahead and then you're matched. From there, you do what's called medical clearance. So the gestational carrier goes under, they're not pre-tested for like a lot of things. They're tested for like What's your BMI, and have you had successful pregnancies, and were any of them like mm-hmm. complicated, and you know, basic stuff? But through your clinic, you can go through medical clearance. So usually, right. like a saline sonogram, blood work uh-huh. are like the main, the main ones. And so you have to wait for those to happen, and and then once you have medical clearance from your clinic to begin, like all parties involved, including the intended parents, which are myself and my husband, you do blood testing as well to check for infectious diseases. Like that's, that's the legal protocol. Right. Um, and then you move into contracts, so legal contracts. And then from there, then you would, once that's signed and you do your psyche eval as well, then you can start the actual process of getting to a transfer and like start medication. So okay. it's, it's a long and involved process. Yeah, I mean, there's I'm so sure much you know about whole, this, but for anyone listening, no, I know, you know we could do a yeah. whole nother hour
0: plus on just this I know. alone. <laughs> okay. So you've, you've been matched. It's amazing. We've been
1: matched. We start medical clearance and this is a two-time proven surrogate who's carried for two other families besides having her own children slam dunk you would think. And then they go and do the saline sonogram and they find scarring from her previous c-section like an ab a scarring defect that is such that it, it can't it, it's like not something that can be fixed and she's basically immediately precluded from ever being a surrogate for anyone what ever a blow again. another blow another blow yeah. so that was in January of 2021 and like again you know it's like oh IVF it's going to be the answer surrogacy. We're going to take my stupid body out of the equation. Right. And we're going to put in like a perfect fertile human being. Right. And of course it's going to work. And like, of course it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, okay, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Now it's just a lot of money, which is really hard.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: So then were you matched up with another one? It took a while. So, I mean, with COVID, there's not as many surrogates available partially. I mean, this is pre-vaccine era. Um, So a lot of surrogates, you know, are waiting it out. Don't want to put their families at risk. And and surrogacy has just become, I think, as people talk about it more and, and people realize that, you know, while incredibly expensive, it's not just for like movie stars or people that like want to save their bodies. Like that's such a misconception as people learn about it. I think it's become, you know, if you look at the stats of how many babies in the U S are birthed via surrogacy every year, it's grown exponentially over the last few years. I mean, it's still a teeny tiny, tiny, tiny little population. I think they say 2% of babies born in the United States are born via IVF. And of that 2%, it's like, 2% of babies are born via gestational surrogacy. So it's a really, really small, small little population of people, but uh, it is growing. Mm -hmm. So it's just hard to find a surrogate. So I think it took us, uh, I mean, like five months to be matched again through our agency. And in the meantime, we did entertain an independent match as well uh, through another proven surrogate who um, also ended up failing medical clearance for a. other issues. Oh my gosh. Um, so now, then, yeah. So then we had our third match in May of 2021. And again, another two time proven surrogate. We really, really clicked. And like five days after we matched, before she even started medical clearance, she ended up in the hospital with like extreme pain. And they found like retained tissue from her previous pregnancy. And she had to have a DNC. And so that. Took her off
0: the list. Oh my God, uh, Monica!
1: I know. <laughs> it's like almost com- if it wasn't so. I it's almost comical at this point. Like it's almost comical.
0: I know what you're um, saying, and sometimes you, you know, I laugh like at the absurdity of this shit. But like, this absurd. is also just like seeing you go because you know I know you at this point in your journey you know, that you're talking about now and, you know, just seeing you go through this and setback after setback and just doing all the things. And it's still, it's just like, it's not fucking yeah. fair.
1: No, it's like, not fucking that's fair. That's how and it
0: like, feels at a certain point. Right.
1: You know, I I don't like talking about the money because I feel extremely privileged that we've been able to come this far when I know that that's not the case, you know, for so many women don't even have the option to find a surrogate because the, the price of it is just not in the fair, you know, it's just not possible. Mm -hmm. But I'd say at this point, we spent over a hundred thousand dollars and we have nothing to show for it. Right. Um, well, thank you for sharing that.
0: I think that's important to talk about.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of infertility is like, right. And at this point for us, it's like, we just keep throwing money at it because we're so far in, I just don't know how to, to stop. And it's like, we'll just, Keep going as long as we can keep going, but like we've refinanced our house, like we've had some family support, like we've set all our savings. Right, Um, we've taken out like my husband's stock options from work. Like that's how we're paying for it.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah.
1: So it's not without its hardships, and we're able to do it, but it's still like a hardship.
0: Yeah, Um, totally.
1: So we got matched with our current surrogate in July. Late mm-hmm. July, twenty twenty one. Okay. Um, so this is number four. four. This is number four. Okay. Fourth also, times a charm. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully. Right. <laughs> wonderful. I love her as a person. So well, mm-hmm. I'm really hopeful that we get to go on this journey together. Yeah. But so we met um, through the agency. She was wonderful. We clicked. All of that, and then kind of radio silence. <laughs> and I was like, "What is happening?" And turned out her house burned down. Um, like burnt down, like their whole home burnt to the ground. I know. I unreal. I was like, I was like, am I a curse? Like, am I cursed? Mm. Am I like doing this to these women? Like, maybe I should like just just give up because I'm like now causing other people harm. No, (laughs) you're not, but I know that I know that's ridiculous. It makes sense to think that, of course. Yeah. (laughs) But eventually we did get back on track. She's like, I mean, if anything, her going through that proved to me, like this is who we want to work with because she handled it just like, I got this, I'm mm-hmm. organized, we're on top of it. You know, it's hard, but I'm not going to like let it, you know, we're safe, we're healthy. Like we're doing this and right. building a new house and she just handled it with so much grace and poison. Right. You're and like, okay, I just, you're a like, badass. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's a badass with her four children. Right. Um, Okay. So we continued on medical clearance actually was medical clearance. She was approved. So excited. We signed contracts, I think on new year's Eve, literally 2021 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and went into 2022, just so hopeful, you know, felt like, okay, this is our moment. Like we have top rated genetically tested embryos. We have a proven surrogate who has no issues. She's ready to go or ready to go with the best doctor. We had our transfer protocol in place. She'd been on that. So Dr. Amy was actually her doctor for her previous journey as well. So she knew Dr. Amy already. Dr. Amy already knew her body like perfect. Let's, let's do this. And we transferred on February 9th and it didn't work. Like not even an, just like no implantation
2: at -hmm. all. I'm Um, so
1: sorry. Thank you. I was broken. I think Mm -hmm. you've seen me. I mean, uh, I was broken. I'm still, I don't know. Like I have our embryo picture and I like, it's shoved somewhere because I can't even look at it. Can't look at it. Yeah. Um, I can't look at it. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, it was just like it, it's still like I I'm okay, but I'm not okay. No, know? that's like,
0: yeah, that's understandable. We
1: waited so long to get to that point, right? So long to get to that point, and we've been through so much. And I just I really thought it was going to work. Like yeah. everything was perfect. I really thought it was going to work. Like I was not stressed at all during our two week wait. I was really excited.
2: Hmm.
1: Hmm. Um. And I think it broke you know I think it's pretty devastating for our surrogate as well because now yeah. you're dealing with the emotions of two families right um, which is a lot because I want to take care of her and I right. don't want her to leave us right I don't want her to leave us right yeah Aww. like is she gonna go through this again with us right um, that's a choice she doesn't have to right of course um, and that was just I don't even know like what to do with myself. And not yeah. that it matters at all, but it doesn't matter, but it was our only female embryo like our only XX embryo. And it mm-hmm. doesn't matter at all, but you start to like, think of them as people. Yes, of course. I don't care. Like, I just want a healthy baby, but like, I guess just knowing you never, I guess when you're trying naturally, you, you don't know what you're going to get. Right. It's just whatever you're going to get. Right. It's just like you know that 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 chapter. Right. Kind of but I want
0: close. to validate that for you that it's okay to grieve the loss of that female embryo. That is real and that yeah. is sad and that fucking sucks and it's okay to to think that way.
1: I have a hard time feeling about that because like I you know gender is whatever and I also don't I really don't care and I don't ever want our story to be that that was something I cared about because it's not important, but it isn't like you said it is important. Well, it's complicated too. It's not. Black it's really white. complicated. Yeah, it's not. It's really complicated, and it's um, you
0: have to feel your feels. And if that's how you feel, you know, it's not like that's going to be the defining moment of you cared about that. But it's like yes, no. that's part of your well, story. I care about our
1: loss. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah, and and so you know, we immediately jump. You know, my frustration was I had considered, do we do implantation testing before we do our transfer? If it had been me, if I had been the one carrying, I would have never allowed myself to transfer prior to doing these tests. Never in a million years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Dr. Amy would have never allowed me to transfer without doing those yeah. tests either, but she carried before she carried for Dr. Amy, same protocol. Like there was nothing to suggest mm-hmm. scientifically, medically that those, Tests were necessary. Right. And it's really expensive. Right. Sure. I hate that money comes into this, but it like does you it think plays of, a role of doing you think of doing an ERA, which is one thing, but then you have to pay her clinic and your clinic to do the ERA, because mm-hmm. she's doing it in Idaho. And then you have to pay her to do the ERA.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So Every single thing that we do costs sometimes two, three times more than what it would cost anyone else. Like our transfer cost us, I'll just be frank, $16,000 to do one transfer. Yeah. So it is something that we considered and it wasn't medically deemed necessary. So we didn't do it. And of course, Mm -hmm. now I live with regret every day because we've now done the ERA and the MLS and the Receptiva test and every single one of them came back abnormal.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. so abnormal that the labs actually suggested that we run them again.
2: Mm.
1: So we have to do another You're going to do it again with her. We're in the middle of it. Yeah. So, and we actually just got not great news yesterday. So she had her lining check for her ERA yesterday and at transfer in her first ERA, at this point, her lining was like nine, nine and a half, like beautiful Mm -hmm. trilaminar, gorgeous, and yesterday mm-hmm. it was six mm. and we don't know exactly why, Yeah, but it's just another, you know, it's delaying the ERA, which delays a transfer, right. Which also adds more money because now we have to do an up uh, pay for another lining check. Right. Um, oh And more meds. So. It's you know, so daunting and frustrated yeah. too. You know, of course like, I'm I'm sure sure she, she wants but- this just as much as you guys do. She does. She does. And I think, you know, this is the first time in her life that she's faced with this kind of bad news with her body. And she's like, i am getting a taste for how it feels to you a little bit. Like, yeah, girl, like, it's really hard. And I want to keep her spirits up and like, you know, but it is the reality of it is that she's not getting the news that she hoped for. And, and there isn't a definitive answer as to why. hmm and there isn't a definitive answer as to what we do with the information that we have. You know, for now it's, you know, c- continue on the meds and, and hopefully next week is a different story. Which Dr. Amy thinks it is, will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like one roadblock after another. And right. then I'm on a separate journey right now to create more embryos. Right. And that's not been going well. Right. Can
0: we talk about the PRP?
1: Procedure yeah. that you
0: had before we wrap it up. I know you flew into New York, right? To do this. It's a platelet rich plasma injection, right? So it is.
1: Tell, so it's essentially just... like stem cell therapy for your ovaries. Okay. So it's experimental at this stage, but there's some pretty good research behind it that shows that the process is beneficial for people like myself with egg quality issues, diminished ovarian reserve, primary ovarian insufficiency. Etc., But essentially they take your own blood and they spin it in a centrifuge, separate out the plasma and inject it back into your ovaries. So it's kind of like an egg retrieval process, Mm -hmm. but they're shoving things into your ovaries instead of taking taking them
0: out. Yeah. Such a good way to describe it.
1: So yeah, I flew to New York to see Dr. Murphy at rejuvenating fertility clinic, Mm -hmm. fertility center, excuse Mm -hmm. me. And he's just like, he's like Dr. Amy. Like, he's just wonderful Mm -hmm. immediately, like so warm and fuzzy, hilarious. He does like crazy TikTok dances. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt very, very taken care of there. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like the same process. You don't have to go under anesthesia with my anatomy. It wasn't an option really not to. Yeah. Um, But I would recommend it for anyone that is doing it because I think this journey is painful enough yeah, and we don't need to add more pain. It is an extra cost, but it's not. I don't know. We already spend so much money. It's like five hundred dollars. Like let's right, you are like put it on. We my don't tab. need to be in pain. Put, <laughs> put it, it up on my tab. tab. I don't need exactly. to be in more pain than I already yeah. am. Yeah, yeah. So you're under for like twenty minutes. They, uh, you know, I think each doctor kind of has a different strategy, not strategy, a uh, mm-hmm. process technique. Um, Dr. Murphy injects at multiple points on each ovary, I think mm-hmm. some other doctors inject at one point on each ovary just like more into one point. Some doctors seem to want to do one cycle a month for three months, like during the life cycle of an egg, Dr. Murphy does more like one cycle every two to three months because it does take a while to start to, seeing the benefits yeah, of it. Yeah. And it's not a guarantee again, not a guarantee. Nothing. Yeah. Like everything so do you needs think to come with a disclaimer.
0: Right. Do you think you'll do it again?
1: I don't know yet. Okay, um, so I went wait for, so I went for my first follicle scan this past week after PRP. So it's been like three weeks and I had zero follicles, nothing. Mm-hmm. But we don't really know why I did just come off birth control and I also just recovered from COVID. So my hormones are stable. So we don't really know. It was, you know, a, a fucking blow. It was my husband, my poor husband. It was his first time coming. finally would be allowed in the clinic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: he's like coming in for the first scan he's ever seen me do. And like, right. I've never had, and we had zero follicles. Oh, like, God. oh God. I jinxed you. It's like, shut yeah. up. No. He's not talking like me. Um, right. Right. Oh honey. <laughs> but yeah. So that, it's been a hard week.
0: For yeah. Sure. It's been a hard week. It's been um, a hard couple of years.
1: <laughs> hard life. <laughs> it's been a hard journey.
0: It's been a hard yeah. road for you. And, yeah. you know, I, I just want to say you know, I adore you, and I'm so glad that you know you're part of the rally family because everybody is yeah. there to support you, and you've been so open about all of this stuff. You know, I mean, I, I think no one is more deserved. Like, you know, you've done all the things, and it's just it's heartbreaking to watch yeah. something well, not not go it. as planned. You know, so I wish I could fix yeah. it.
1: I know. Um, I mean, I wish we all had a magic wand. I know Dr. Amy feels the same way. Like I wish I had a magic wand or a closet full of shoes. I wish I had a closet full of babies. I could just give everybody a baby. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But that's Um, not where we're at. And, you know, we just, uh, my, I, you know, I just keep pushing through and I, you know, I don't subscribe to the just keep going. I think that's a little bit toxic, but I think as long as it feels right to keep going, then Mm -hmm. we will. Um, And for right now, it still feels like I have it in me to keep doing it. So I'm hopeful that our ERA lets us move to transfer ASAP, hopefully sometime this summer. And I am hopeful that at my next fall scan in a couple of weeks, that my ovaries start to wake up and we start to see some results from the PRP because that can take some time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I still have hope.
2: Oh so hope,
1: right. Like, I feel like as soon as I'm hopeless, yeah. like, I'm like, let's just,
0: well, like you know. said, you know, I'm never one to say, don't give up or keep trying, or it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, none of that is true. I don't, no. I hate that term give up because I don't think it's giving up. Sometimes giving up. it's just pivoting and, you know, changing the yeah. course. But, you know, I just want to say like, I love that you've always been very true to yourself and true to your heart and, you know, following what you feel is good. And who knows what's going to happen. None of us do. And, but I just know that, you know, we're all sending you so much love and rooting for you. And if people aren't following you, they should be at waiting for baby wonder W U N D E R and following your story and just wishing you so much love. And I can't wait to see you in person, hopefully sometime this year. Um, I know. Right. You'll keep us. Yeah. Rally Rally, IRL. Exactly. Um, but you'll keep us posted and everyone will follow along and I just love you. I love
1: love you. I am Mm. just really grateful to be on your pod, been listening to it long before (laughs) I knew you as a human being. And so it's like a little bit of a fangirl moment. Um, (laughs) no, I have like when I first started before I had my Instagram, I had your podcast on, on, oh my, my, God. on my list. Well, now, that. you
0: know, I'm just like here, you see me now. I just got out of soul cycle and I look insane and I'm bra- there's nothing to fan. I'm not, I'm not wearing a bra. No,
2: There's nothing to fruit.
0: fangirl about, but I'm glad you listened and I hope it helped you.
2: Well, and I know I
0: this really is going to help. It, so and people. I hope
1: it helps. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's yeah. the, at the end of it. Like I exist because other people have helped me. Mm-hmm. So I hope I can give back in that way. I think I think it's like a big circle help.
0: Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. And thanks again to Monica for sharing her story. We will continue to cheer her on and follow her on Instagram if you guys aren't already at Waiting for Baby Wonder. I also wanted to tell you guys, as always, Fertility Rally memberships are here. They're available. We open the first week of every month. Everybody is welcome, no matter what you're going through. We are happy to have whoever no matter what at whatever stage you're at so we just want to give you support we have four support groups a week we have a whole website full of resources and videos and things that will help you on your journey as i've always said this is the place i wish i had when i was going through it the bond that we have with these members and this family we've created is absolutely insanely incredible so check us out DM me if you have any questions, follow me at InfertileAF Stories, and follow us at Fertility Rally on Instagram too. And I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks.